What's going on, guys? Welcome back into the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Tagliere. Unfortunately, we don't have Bobby on the show today as he's out training for his combine performance that he'll be doing in late July or early August time. And don't worry, we're going to have the whole thing filmed, so you're going to see all the video of it. But with his absence, did you really think they were going to let me fly solo in this episode? Absolutely not. However, what they did do was let me pick today's guest. And that was probably a mistake because he and I are going to talk about the Chicago Bears for an essentially an entire show. I kid, obviously, of course. But seriously, there, there will be some Bears talk on the show because we're going to be discussing the coaching changes that have taken place around the NFL this offseason and how they affect your favorite fantasy players. The guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyways. You see him on your TV Sunday mornings for NFL Network shouting, I'm probably going to regret this, but danger zone! And now... You also see him on Saturday's edition of Good Morning Football. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Adam Rank. How are we doing this fine, brisk morning, Mr. Rank? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I'm glad that Bobby is not here. I was getting a little sick of his act anyways, if I can be perfectly honest with you. But uh, I don't mean to sling arrows with him not here and everything. But, you know, it's a little much. But whatever. Uh, Happy to be on. Happy to talk Chicago. I think we just take over. This is like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash just rolling into Nitro, and uh, we're going to take over, and we're going to talk all bears, and you're going to all enjoy it. And you, the best part of it is, uh, can, I don't know if I can pull back the curtain too much, because it's, uh, it's, it's Thursday. It's 9 a.m. on the West Coast. It's noon on the East Coast. Jordan Howard is still a Chicago bear as we're talking, so this could actually, a lot of it, we could, we could really hurt ourselves if we talk too much bears. And we start glowing about Jordan Howard, and then he gets traded to, like, I don't know, the Lions or something. Oh, they wouldn't trade him to the Lions. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, The Buccaneers. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Who knows? Well, that's definitely a rumor here in Chicago. And obviously, you're out on the West Coast in California. I woke up, and the Weather Channel told me this morning that it, it feels like 18 degrees. It's April, Mother Nature. It's April. Seriously, give me a break. It's uh, eight, speak- wait, it's it's 18 out here. No, it's not. Get out of here. That's not warm enough for you? <laughs> 18 degrees. Oh, in April, it's not supposed to be 18 degrees. I could deal with that in January, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. This weather I is mean, for the Celsius, birds. I mean, Celsius, though. Oh, there. Well, of course. I, I, I was told this offseason that we're the only one that does temperature the way that we do in the world. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you were doing Celsius. I'm like, 18's warm. Uh, yeah, we need to. It's kind of like I feel, I feel like Celsius is the PPR of of weather, and all the cool people do Celsius, and we're the only ones still doing standard. Like oh. this makes no sense, but we're still gonna do it standard. My God, this is funny. This is this is exactly how I wanted the show to go. Like bringing you on, it, it's a blast. It's, we're gonna have fun today. We're gonna talk. Obviously, the Jordan Howard news is coming up. We'll talk about that in a brief second. But as I mentioned in the intro, my co-host Mr. Sylvester has to do the combine because he lost a bet this past year to me. His goal, Adam, is to beat Danny Amendola in at least three of the combine drills that include the forty, the bench press, <laughs> vertical jump, broad jump, three cone drill, and shuttle run. Now I'm gonna start asking the analyst we have on the show, to guess the over and under on what Bobby is going to top Danny Amendola. Now, to give you a hint of the person that we're dealing with, his name is Bobby. He's like 15 years old, but he's got three kids. He's about five foot seven and 165 pounds. I'm setting the over under at one and a half. So if he can beat Danny Amendola in two events, it goes over. So what should I put you down for, Adam? Um, I want to take the under. I think uh, one. I think one is because, you know, there's always going to be something that 
people will be surprisingly good at. And it's not going to be the 40, but it'll be something like the broad jump. You're like, whoa, like you can broad jump. Like there's there's going to be something that we're not thinking of, but there's no way that there's going to be more than more than one. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's fine. Like, oh, that was very impressive. You you nailed it. Like I uh, one time did something, did a Gatorade training thing with Demarius Thomas, and I actually beat him in the eye-hand coordination thing. And he was, he was, he nice. was heated. And he's like, how is this possible? Are you doing it right? And they had me do it again. And I had an even faster time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, I play video games. Of course, my eye-hand coordination <laughs> is going to be good. Like you just, you wasted your time playing football. So there it is, you know, and people weren't hitting me, you know, I'm just sitting on my couch doing this. So I was able to improve. So I think that I honestly, like, let's real talk. Like being able to beat Danny Amendola in any of those things would be impressive. So I feel like I'm I'm doing him a solid by saying that he'll get him in one because I have faith in him, even though I don't like him and I'm glad he's not on the show. But I, I think he'll beat him for one. I'm teasing, by the way. I do. I don't. I don't hate him. No, no, I know. But no. So yeah, Danny Amendola. I looked it up. He ran a four five eight forty. So I don't. I mean, Bobby expects to get sub five. And that's that's actually pretty remarkable Sub-five for a guy that's good. not playing in the NFL. However, to get right. four or five eight is not going to happen. He's not going to bench press. So I'm with you. I'm taking the under on this one and a half. Uh, but he's betting on himself, saying that he's going to beat him in three events. So we'll see as the time comes. As I mentioned, we're going to film it. But now that we've gotten through, you know, some of the shenanigans of the podcast, it's time to hit on some of the big news that have been occupying. Our Twitter timelines as of late, obviously the biggest news coming out on Tuesday with the Patriots trading away Brandon Cooks and a fourth round pick in exchange for the Rams first round pick, which is number 23 overall and their sixth round pick. What is your reaction to this news from a fantasy standpoint? Uh, Well, from a fantasy standpoint, I feel it's going to be basically status quo Uh, for the first couple of years of his NFL career. Brandon Cooks has been on a team that likes to spread the ball around. He's not going to a, a club that's just going to pepper him with targets. And if he ever did, like I, if he had gone to, I don't know, the Dolphins or the Bills or somebody that doesn't have an elite elite set of talent around him, he could be a guy who, if he got upwards of you know 150 targets or whatever it is, could really set the NFL on fire. But He's going to a team where they spread the ball around, strong running game once again. And the one thing, though, is that no matter what kind of system he's in or who who he's playing with, he's gotten a th- at least 1,000 receiving yards and seven touchdowns uh, every time. And Antonio Brown is the only other player who's done that for three consecutive seasons, the last three consecutive seasons. So he's in some pretty nice company. So I think that, again, he goes to the Rams, a great offensive system, great quarterback, uh, yeah, that's right. I said great quarterback with Jared Goff. Don't at me, people. Don't. I'm, I'm done with it. It's like I'm tired of having to defend Jared Goff. It's like you saw it right there. You're like, it's fine. Like people, I think, get too worked up when you go to schools like Cal. Like you're not you're not playing with the best players and you're not getting the best coaching like you used to back in the day when Aaron Rodgers was there and, and some of the other uh, quarterbacks. Who was the dude who looked who married the former Miss California? Kyle Bowler. All right. So maybe it wasn't always great, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so I think he's a good he's a good player. But again, like he's going to go out there, he's going to get a thousand yards, and he's going to get uh, seven to eight, maybe ten touchdowns um, because they will. Oh God, it's, it's going to be tough though because they're going to be they're going to be dominating teams defensively, so they might not have to throw it as much. But he's going to be fine. I think the problem is is with the fantasy enthusiasts uh, uh, such as ourselves 
who want to wedge him into a, a, a first or second round pick because of his immense talent be like, it's just not realistic. He's just not in that kind of system. And people get mad and don't think that he's good. And that's where it spills over to real football, where people are like, that guy's not even that good. I'm like, you guys are being ridiculous. Like, watch that. I'm sorry he doesn't he doesn't put up Antonio Brown numbers for you in fantasy. So that's why you get like a bunch of wind in your jaw mm-hmm. and get upset about him. But oh, but he's a good player. He's going to be fine. And when if you're allowed to take him later in drafts, if he's not your wide receiver one, which I think for a lot of people last year he might have been, um, you're going to love him. He's going to do great. So I don't think that there's going to be any problems. What do you think? My issue is this, is that last offseason when the Rams dealt for Sammy Watkins. Now, granted, this was literally like two weeks before the season started. So it's really difficult to build chemistry, to grasp an offense when you've been there for two weeks. Brandon Cooks obviously has the whole offseason to work with. Now, I when Sammy Watkins went to the Rams, I was a little concerned because even though I felt Jared Goff had a bad rookie year, we all know that I felt he was better than people thought, but still that his deep ball was never going to be the strength of his game. I I still don't feel that way. And if you look at Jared Goff over his career, he's completed just 32% of his passes that have gone over 20 yards in the air. By comparison, Brandon Cooks has played with Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Over the last two years, those two have combined to complete almost 52% of their deep balls. That's a 20% gap. I don't think that Jared Goff necessarily has the arm to take advantage of Brandon Cook's skill set that he does have. It's not to say that Brandon Cooks isn't more than just a deep threat. I do think that he's a solid player if you know how to scheme him into space. My issue is that you already mentioned it. I think that the Rams defense took such a step forward this season. The, like the players they added on that team. It's just their, their secondary is a whole new team. It's full of pro bowlers. They added Ndamukong Sue to play out, uh, along with Aaron Donald. Like, what are you going to do? I don't see the Rams having to throw the ball as much as even they did last year. And it wasn't even like a high, a remarkable total last year. I mean, Jared Goff was, I think, the number 12 or 13 fantasy quarterback because, not because he was inefficient, he was very efficient, but it was because of a lack of pass attempts. This year, I don't think that changes. I actually think the pass attempts could go down I mean, with the defense playing the way they are and Sammy Watkins last year, he played 16 games. That, that's a rare sight for Sammy Watkins, but he saw 70 targets. So even if we say this offseason is going to help Cooks get in there, who are we going to start taking targets away from? Are you going to take him away from Cooper Cup? Highly unlikely he plays a completely different role than Brandon Cooks does. Are you going to take him away from Robert Woods? Potentially, even if we bump Brandon Cooks up to 100 targets, it's going to be difficult for him to live up to, I think, that top 15 status that people have tied to him. And again, I just don't feel like you're going to see as many splash plays with Jared Goff as you did with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. So as much as I do think Brandon Cooks is a solid player, and you're right about people maybe underestimating his game, I don't think that I think that he's going to be extremely overvalued this offseason. Well, that's his problem is that he is a good enough player that people, again, they want to wedge him into a position that he shouldn't probably be in. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is that he's worked with Jared Goff in the offseason previously. I heard that so he has a little bit more chemistry. So I do think that that hundred target mark that you were talking about, I still think that that that's that's a pretty reasonable goal. Um, I like that for him. I just think that we're going to I think at the end of the day. Uh, or at the end of the season, thousand yards, eight touchdowns. I think that's completely doable. Uh, however, that fits into your fantasy scoring uh, is going to be. But you know that somebody's drafting him in the second round, so <laughs> it's it's a it's kind of a moot point. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's always easy to be like, well, I would I would love this guy in the fourth round. Like, yeah, no kidding, I'd love to get Le'Veon Bell in the fifth. Like, but it's not happening. Um, I just know the way that fantasy enthusiasts think, and that there's going to be one person. All it is. You know, this, there's 11 other 
men and women in your league. Like it only takes one to be like, yeah, I'll take Brandon Cooks here. And you're like, "Ah, so be it. For sure. And as you mentioned, the thousand yard season, three years in a row with at least seven touchdowns in each season, that's obviously that holds merit. And obviously going to a new offense last year and performing the way he did. And obviously, you know, it, it it gives people reassurance that by him going to a new team that they feel he could produce. So time will tell here. But the Patriots defense was so awful last year. Obviously, their pass attempts were up. They didn't have a running back like Todd Gurley. So, again, I just I just feel like he's going to be more in that like wide receiver three range where he's going to give you some big performances and he's going to let you down uh, in a lot of majority. In a, in a significant part of his games as well. So I think he's a better best ball target than he is for like season long leagues. But one other name that keeps popping up, this Odell Beckham drama is not oh. going away anytime soon. And the Giants reportedly want at least two first round picks for him. Now, I don't know if that's just for starters where it's like, hey, you better come to the table with two first round picks and then some. Or if they're saying if you have two first round picks, we'll consider that. If that's the case. Why aren't teams jumping up to pay for that? I mean, first round hit rates are not like, you know, through the roof. I mean, I, I want to say that those hit rates for, for longtime starters, isn't it like somewhere around 30%? So why not? I mean, is it because of the the whole attitude with Beckham? Is it because he's a distraction? Because he's he's all about the me attitude? But we've seen wide receivers like that before. We've seen teams work with them. Do you think he'll be in a Giants uniform this season? I really do. I I don't know who it, it just it, it, like you said though the the hit rate on first round picks are way down. But for whatever reason, uh, well actually for good reason, uh, teams put a put a high premium on their first round draft picks and they don't want to part with them. And I, I you know even I don't know. It's one of those things that I would rather have the known quantity. And I know that he he makes some uh, some headlines by marrying a kicking net or doing whatever. Uh, showboating a little bit, but that's <laughs> that just seems like receivers. Like every receiver, like it doesn't matter who you are, how good you are. It always seems like the wide receiver is a perceived problem. Just, but I just think that's the nature of the position. Like you just being a one-on-one player like that. There's no way. The only way to survive in that position is to be that type of personality that's going to be a little flamboyant and be a little bit showboaty. And it's just going to happen. So I don't understand. I, it's funny because, you know, you talk about two first-round picks. It's like, well, now don't the Patriots have a pair of first-round picks? And that's I, – I stop myself from saying it because it's a joke that anytime that there's a free agent, anytime somebody gets kicked loose, you know, you're like, oh, this guy's just going to sign with the Patriots. Uh, you know, whether it's the Dominican Sioux or the Honey Badger or anybody like that, that that's what – your Twitter timeline immediately fills up with like, oh, this guy's going to go to the Patriots. But you'd look at it, and I don't know that the Giants would ever do such a thing as trading Odell Beckham Jr. to the Patriots just for the for the uproar. But I think as a a fan of uh, chaos and somebody who loves like when crazy things happen in sports and guys go to teams unexpectedly and everything, because I love the super teams. I love that the Rams are building a super team. I wasn't mad at Kevin Durant for going to the the Golden State Warriors, so I'm I'm down with it, and I think that. If the Patriots could turn, I just don't know that their two first round picks are high enough, but I would definitely, from the Patriots perspective, I would definitely make that trade. Uh, If I'm the Giants, I'm not sure that I do that. I I would love to call their bluff. Like, okay, yeah, we got first two first round picks. You want to go? Let's do it now Um, and see if that's really what the Giants are asking for. But ultimately, uh, even though there have been a ton of trades this season, uh, as Greg Rosenthal called it, the, uh, the trade tsunami. Uh, I just, I just don't see it. I would love to see it. I mean, it's one of those things I keep hitting refresh on, uh, hoping that it happens. Maybe they go Jordan Howard for Odell Beckham Jr. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but I think it's going to be, 
I still think that the Giants have to hold on to him. Plus, he's still at a great value. So I can understand you not wanting to get rid of him just because he doesn't he doesn't make that much money. Like Devontae Parker, Adam Humphreys, and Jerron Brown make more money than Odell Beckham Jr. on average uh, this season. So the Giants are really not in a position where they have to move him. I think I've talked around in circles enough just to say no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Ryan Grant would have been uh, also been paid more than Odell Beckham had that contract with the Ravens gone through, but we all know how that ended. <laughs> um, now, now that, that's the thing is like the Patriots, they're a team that obviously they know Tom Brady, that his career doesn't, it's not going to go till 45. It's not going to happen, guys. Like Tom Brady's got a year or two left. That's that's the realistic, like the way to approach this. And do you add Odell Beckham and say, does he give us the best shot to win this year? Because I don't know if the Patriots walk, go forward with Philip Dorsett starting as a perimeter wide receiver. I don't think that happens, but you know, there's been Stranger Things. Uh, Are you I just feel like Malcolm there's, Mitchell. It, Malcolm Mitchell. He, he, that's a wild card, right? Where it's like yeah. even before he got hurt last preseason, he was kind of like off the radar. We don't know. Sometimes these guys like Aaron Dobson and Kenbrell Tompkins they pop up on the radar, and then all of a sudden Bill Belichick just doesn't. He doesn't want to use him anymore. So there's there's a lot of if factors. Yeah, I think him and Chris Hogan are the the main benefactors if they don't add a wide receiver in the first couple of rounds. But the rumor is is that. They may be acquiring these picks to move up to take a quarterback, you know, for for Tom Brady's eventual heir, uh, which was Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously. And now they're talking about Josh Rosen, who is seemingly falling down draft boards. And I don't know why, uh, but that's that's a real thing. Uh, as you mentioned, Jordan Howard's popping up at headlines. Des Bryant uh, is there's a lot of talk about him being released pretty soon. Do you think there's any truth to this stuff? I mean, Jordan Howard, apparently he removed his high school pictures, too, and that there's not a whole lot to that rumor. But I don't know how he fits in Matt Nagy's offense. And to be honest, well, I'm a Bears guy, right? I Jordan Howard is a solid running right. back, but he's not a three down back. And in today's NFL, if you are not a three down back, you are you're a timeshare player. And do other teams value you more than maybe the Bears do? So I, do you think there's any truth to the Dez being cut rumors to to Jordan Howard being traded? You're giving me a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And I'm a little off- – no, I'm just um, – <laughs> uh, the Dez Brown thing – yeah, if the Cowboys uh, draft a wide receiver, it would be probably a, a a sign that they could be moving on from Des Bryant, or they could just you know want to bring in somebody else to to play along with him. Uh, you know, throughout the course of of Des's career, there really hasn't been another uh, decent. I'm trying to think of the right adjective. Uh, I mean, outside of Jason Witten, who of course is is very good, they just haven't had a great wide receiver opposite him. And uh, you know, not every big time wide receiver gets that gets that uh, luxury of having somebody very competent opposite of you, but at least somebody better than Bryce Butler. Um, I think, though, if they brought in DJ Moore, you know, if they brought in one of those uh, Calvin Ridley or somebody like that and played them with Dez, I think the offense as a whole could be much better. I understand, you know, the cost cutting and salary cap and everybody wants to be a capologist. But at the same time, it's like, how about somebody, how about you just try to win? Like, instead of Instead of just cutting a guy because you've got a, a rookie in there, just like, let's go for it, okay? Just just have an opportunity. So I, I'm hoping uh, that Jerry Jones, he's a very loyal person. I think that he could end up sticking with Dez even if they do draft a wide receiver in the first round. And if Dez does get some help and somebody who can help draw a little bit of attention, that he could be much better. 
Um, but the bigger question, I think, that you I, have, yeah. what's, what's that? Oh, no, no. I, I agree with you on Des. Like, the thing is, I think that you're on the same page as me, whereas I don't think his skill has gone away. I don't. I, I mean, I don't think Des Bryant yeah. all of, is all of a sudden bad at football because there's a lot of people that are talking about the last two years saying that Des Bryant's you know, he's washed up ever since his foot injury. That's not really true. When he came back from his foot injury in 2016, the first couple games were rough. He was working with a brand new quarterback in Dak Prescott. But if you look over the final, I think it was eight to 10 games of 2016, even into the playoffs, Des Bryant was phenomenal. So last year, looking at his schedule, Des Bryant played top tier corners in, I think, 10 or 11 of his 16 games. That's going to be incredibly hard for any player to do, let alone someone who's, you know, what, 29 years old. Uh, you know, there was just with no wide receiver on the other side of the field. They need to bring in another threat. I'm with you. I think they should draft a wide receiver, maybe in the second round, uh, and then pair him with Des Bryant and Alan Hearns. And kind of go from there. But I, I mean, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to do that because there's beat reporters out of Dallas saying that he is going to get cut. It's just not taking place until after the draft. Yeah, I hear all that. And I, I fear the inevitable is going to happen. But to me, it just seems like a mistake in just the way that I would approach things. But you know what? Jerry Jones has yet to ask for my opinion on these, these matters. So <laughs> I guess I will leave that. I will leave that to them. Oh, man. But yeah, the Jordan Howard thing. Do you think there's any legitimate like like truth to that rumor? It's interesting. I don't know. I hope I kind of hope he's trolling us. And he's just he knows like how people will go bat bat crap crazy if you start doing things like this and that it's just one big rib and he thinks he's Andy Coffin and is just having a good time with everybody and just pranking <laughs> people, which is cool. You know, like I would actually really respect that. I, I think it would be good. And I you know what? I I, I believe that. Jordan Howard can be successful in this offense uh, with Matt Nagy and everything. Obviously, he's not the pass receiver that a lot of other guys are, uh, Todd Gurley and all those. But, all, but again, a lot of people didn't think that Todd Gurley was going to be a, a a candidate to get as many receptions as he did last year. So we really don't know what kind of – what kind, I know the film on him looks terrible, but hopefully with a little bit of coaching, which I don't think he was getting – over the last couple of years, he could improve that aspect of his game. I mean, he, he can still get better. I know that people um, just like to pretend like, well, however you are right now is how you're going to be forever, and you're never going to improve. Um, but I do think, you know, uh, Matt Nagy, uh, he doesn't have to run the exact same thing he did in Kansas City. Like, he can he can mix it up for the personnel that he has. And when you have dynamic players like Tariq Cohen, who obviously can't run the ball in between the tackles on a consistent basis – you brought in, you know, two uh, amazing wide receivers. Allen Robinson is a is a legitimate wide receiver one. Taylor Gabriel is the kind of guy that they would have tried to sell us as a number one three years ago. Would have been like, mm -hmm. all we would we wouldn't have signed Allen Robinson. We would have signed Taylor Gabriel, and we would have tried to make him a number one. And it wouldn't have worked. And it's because it's not who he is. He's a he's a great complimentary guy. And sometimes there's no shame in that. Like you're the number two. It's it's not. It's not all. It's not all that bad, you know. You're not the Marty Janetti necessarily, but you're, you know, you're, you're the, you're the Scott Hall. You're not Kevin Nash, and that's fine too. Go win the Intercontinental Title. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so I think that with those two guys, you got Trey Burton, who is a much better tight end than a lot of people will give him credit for, uh, and you've got Tariko and you got Jordan Howard. Uh, you can go out there and run the ball with Jordan Howard and and establish that ground game, and especially if by some miracle. Quit Nelson falls to them at number eight, which I don't think he is. But you know what? You 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 get a young offensive lineman in there at some point in the draft. 
improve that overall, which I still think is a pretty good unit. I wouldn't have let go of Josh Sitton, but whatever. Again, they another team that doesn't listen to me. <laughs> uh, but you could still make it happen. And even so, like I, I, I seem to remember, if I'm not mistaken, like Kareem Hunt uh, was getting lifted for Sharkandrick West a lot uh, during the middle of the season. Um, and really only started going into the three-down role when uh, when West was injured towards the end of the year, and it was more out of necessity, even though he excelled at it. Um, a lot of it out of necessity, and I don't think that having a guy who's a two-down back um, is necessarily going to be a horrible thing, especially when you see um, the way like New Orleans is able to work Mark Ingram and uh, Alvin Kamara together. Um, obviously, Ingram's a better receiver at this point of his career than Howard, but still, we've seen it happen with other teams. So I think ultimately, uh, I hope this is a ruse. I hope this is an, in, uh, an Instagram prank and, uh, and Howard remains with the bears and I don't have to riot. Like I've threatened to do. <laughs> I do think that Matt Nagy is the type of coach who's going to use each player to their strengths. And if, and if he's trading Howard, it's because he couldn't, he legitimately couldn't find a way to make it work in his scheme. Uh, but I do think that he's going to work and build around player strengths, maybe get him and Tariq Cohen on the field at the same time, something John Fox was unwilling to do apparently. So, uh, you know, Obviously, we started talking about some of these coaching changes already. There's There's been seven head coaching vacancies that have been filled this offseason. Uh, let's start at the top with the Colts and Frank Reich. Uh, the, he's a former OC for the, the Eagles. We have the Lions and Matt Patricia coming over from the Patriots as their defensive coordinator. The Raiders obviously hired John Gruden, who came out of the booth. We have the Cardinals hiring Steve Wilkes, P- former Panthers defensive coordinator. The Bears with Matt Nagy. The Giants with Pat Shermer, who was obviously with the Vikings. And then we have the Titans and Mike Vrabel, who was the Texans defensive coordinator. Now, Adam, before we start diving into maybe some of the players who benefit most and and the ones who are hurt most by these coaching changes, what are your opinions on coaching changes in general? Like, does are you one who tends to feel more optimistic about coaching changes, like when projecting fantasy players, or are you one to prefer to the wait and see approach? I think a lot of times you can you get a little bit of an inclination of which way it's going to where it's going to run based on the coach that's being replaced. Last year, when Jeff Fisher was removed for Sean McVay, I was very positive about that. I think I was one of the few who was anticipating Jared Goff having a good season, uh, at least as, a, an, as an NFL quarterback, uh, anticipating a rebound for Todd Gurley. Uh, a lot of people were upset, burned by him during his sophomore campaign and never wanted anything to do with him again, which is understandable. I understand uh, where people are coming from with there. So I love situations like that. So when you see uh, Matt Nagy coming into Chicago, you're like, great, you're getting rid of an old coach, bringing in somebody who's going to play a modern version of the NFL. You know, he's he's bringing his Xbox 360 and John Fox is taking his ColecoVision and going home and retiring and going to the booth, the ESPN or whatever he's going to do, which is where he should be. Like he's a, he's a charming person. Like I like John Fox, like as a, as a human being, but it's like, yeah, as an NFL coach, I hated the hire when it happened. Um, we could have hired Adam Gase, so maybe that wouldn't have been as great as well. Like, we don't know, because uh, early returns in my, Miami aren't necessarily possible. Although he did make the play. Whatever. The point is, is that you can see situations like that unfolding, and you're like, oh, yeah, this should work. Like, I think Frank Reich, the, the Colts, to me, probably benefited from Josh McDaniels getting cold feet. Like, you were about to do something really dumb and somebody prevented you from doing it. Like somebody saved the day. Like it was like when you're, you know, let's say you're a little bit, you're close to being loaded 
It's at the end of the night. You're just kind of super buzzed. And then your friend goes like, dude, we're doing shots. And you agree to it, but your friend leaves before you do the shots. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so happy that he left. That's pretty much what happened with Josh McDaniels. He's like, <laughs> we're doing tequila bombers. Let me go. But before you know, he got kicked out or whatever happened, he left and you wake up the next morning like, oh my God, I feel fine. I feel good. I feel productive. And had I done those shots, I don't think that would have happened. So you feel good about that. So I think Frank Wright comes in and improves that. Plus, you know, I think the coaching, again, just overall improves. Uh, but there are all also situations where it could go the other way. And of course, Bruce Arians was one of the most, um, mm-hmm. one of the most formidable offensive minds in uh, NFL coaching, at least in recent history. Uh, so when you go from him to Steve Wilkes, who I believe is going to be a good NFL head coach, the only problem is we don't know what he's going to bring to the table. He's a defensive-minded coach, of course, coming from the Carolina Panthers, from the defensive side of the football. We don't know what kind of offensive system they are going to be running, what, it, what, what his philosophy is going to be. And I don't know about anybody else because it seems like I might be the only person who feels this way, but I feel a little apprehensive about David Johnson. Not that he's coming back from an injury. It wasn't a lower body injury. It was his wrist. He'll be fine physically. But I just don't know, you know, and I look at, you know, a a rookie head coach with an offensive system we don't know much about and the potential of Mike Glennon starting a significant number of games. I don't think that I'm I I don't think I'm telling tales out of school that it's like I I might avoid this situation. I know I I don't want to say this to David Johnson, but I'm like, I I just don't like the, the situation. You know what I'm saying? Am I wrong? No, no. I don't think you're wrong at all. Like that's, that's the thing is like, I think that we're getting a breath of fresh air in the NFL though. And what I mean by that is like, we're no longer stuck in, as Evan Silva would uh, describe as cocoon, where it's like these head coaches are filtered over and over. Like teams are starting to realize you have to bring in fresh minds to deal with the personalities that are in today's NFL. You have to adapt to the changes that they've made to the game. Obviously there was another big one this off season with the lowering of the head, which is going to devalue the running back position. But you know, I, I love the fact that offensive coordinators are, are being brought into head coaching jobs to and like Doug Peterson seeing the balls on that guy. I don't know. I don't know if I should Clinton. I'll, I'll re-record that part. The stones on Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl is what won them that game. Like that's why Doug Peterson was. It's so refreshing to see guys like that come into the NFL. So when you see you know three offensive coordinators that are that are young guys coming up and and becoming head coaches, that's exciting. When you talk about guys like Steve Wilkes taking over for a former offensive mind like you know like Bruce Arians. That's definitely concerning to me. When you look at the quarterback situation with Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon, are these guys that check down a lot to running backs? That's where David Johnson made his money, guys. Like I want I don't want people to overlook this fact. David Johnson when running the football, he's fine. He's not like Adrian Peterson where it's like if you give him 300 carries, he's running for 1800 yards. That's not happening. He's just not that guy. He's a guy that's going to average anywhere from 4 to 4.2, 4.3 yards per carry, but he's a really really good receiver. The question is Will they use him that way? And I'm with you, Adam. I actually think that David Johnson will be overvalued in drafts this year um, based on that. So let's let's talk about a player you are really excited about from a fantasy perspective. And if there's a certain player that, I mean, like, is that player being undervalued right now, whether it be best ball, dynasty, who are you excited about from a fantasy perspective from all these head coaching changes that have taken place? Well, from the head coaching changes that have taken place. See, you threw me off right there. Uh, So now I'm going to stall. By thinking of something else. Although I do want to say one thing, um, and I want to make everybody, I'm sure I know everybody who's listening to this uh, is listening for fantasy football and can understand that 
we're not dragging Steve Wilkes as a bad coach. Uh, this is gonna because I think like football wise, this could end up very well for the Cardinals, especially if they hit if they hit on their on their draft pick this year and they take a defensive guy. Their defense could be very good, and they could be mm-hmm. one of the. And it could also be one of those things that's disappointing for us is like, oh, there's a great defense in the NFC West. Like we don't want you shutting down the 49ers and Rams who are going to be investing heavily in uh, this season. So we don't quite, um, you know, we don't want them to be good, but it, it could still be. It could still so he could still be a good NFL head coach, but not a good. I don't know why I felt the need to to uh, to do that, but it's <laughs> but looking at the at the coaching spots and looking at the guy. I mean, obviously, it's so easy just to look at the Bears and just think of all those guys and think of like Trubisky being a viable streaming option for a, a large portion of the season, especially with some of the matchups that should benefit them at some point. And uh, I'm interested to see. Like I'm worried. I'm I'm interested to see what Matt Patricia is going to bring offensively to the Lions. Another defensive-minded coach coming into the coming into the division that should have three pretty good offenses going along with it, not including the Lions. So that that's interesting. John Gruden to me, I don't know. I I don't have any faith in anything that's going on. Uh, Jordy, like everything that they're doing, I'm just looking at. I'm like, I don't know if there's going to be any Raider that I'm going to want to take. So I'm really interested. I think that. I think Mike Rabel down in Tennessee, I'm really starting to dig. Um, I'm really starting to dig what they've got going on. I know that I saw Charlie Casserly's mock draft this week came out and he had uh, the Ohio State Center going there. Uh, Billy, uh, Billy Price. Price, excuse me. Um, Billy Price going there and you're like, God, that's already a pretty good offensive line that if you put a, a center there. Who could really, you know, be a a, a trans, you know, a transform, not transformative, but like a, a good center that they haven't had since uh, Kevin Mawai. And you look at how impressive that offensive line could be, and what kind of system they're going to run. Uh, I know a lot of people got upset or got worried when they brought in Dion Lewis to be the to to, to bring him in, but I still think, and because I think everybody wanted Derrick Henry to be the you know the elite running back that everybody's going to that they've wanted him to be over the last couple of years still believe that he's going to be a difference maker fantasy and I know it's going to be a lazy comparison uh to look at what LeGarrette Blunt did a couple of years ago where he had what was it 15 19 whatever it was where he had that great breakout 18, 18 yeah I think 18 touchdowns yeah I think that's right um but it was an impressive amount of touchdowns Derrick Henry, to me, can still be that kind of guy. Deion Lewis can still be a valuable contributor uh, doing everything that he did in New England. But Derrick Henry still goes out there and does a pretty good job. And I'm I'm just excited because if they bring uh, – because Rabel, even though he's coming from, from Houston, you know, but Bill O'Brien was a, a Belichick disciple. So you figure the offensive system should look – could look somewhat similar to what they've been doing in New England for the last, you know, 15 years. Uh, you bring that kind of – offense to Tennessee. I love Corey Davis. Um, I like Rashard Matthews. I think he's one of the most undervalued guys. And if you play in PR leagues, you know how valuable he can be. And if they draft, if they go wide receiver uh, in the second round or, or, you know, bring in somebody like one of those guys who's going to start falling down the cracks, who can still be a, um, um, God, I'm trying to think of the guy. God, the the LS. No, wait, who is, who is the guy who's whatever. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I should be on my game. I'm still no. hung over from Otani's <laughs> great first week, so <laughs> forgive me. Um, but yeah, you know, like there's a lot of interesting pieces. So I think Tennessee is one of those sneaky under the radar teams. I wrote in one of my 
uh, recent columns, I do write about real football, which pisses people off all over the place. Like, who told Rank he could he could step outside of fantasy? Like, yeah, it's that that big of a that big of a, a difference. Because uh, I was I, I wasn't joking around, but I wanted to. I was doing it on purpose when talking about some of the better teams in the AFC. I think I was talking about trading Larry Fitzgerald. And, like, if the Cardinals season starts going into the tank, like, and if Larry Fitzgerald wanted to be traded to a contender, yeah, it's understandable. You wouldn't want to send him to the Rams or somebody like that. Uh, you send him to the AFC. And I'm like, yeah, the top teams in the AFC, the Patriots, the Jags, the Titans, you know, the, the top teams. And people are like, wait a minute. Why are you putting the Titans in there? But I, I really am very positive about this team, even though Mike Vrabel is a – you know, wasn't seen as kind of a, a head coaching candidate, maybe more of a figurehead. But you know what? As long as the coordinators get everything going, and I, I think the world of Marcus Mariota, I was a huge fan of his all the way back to his high school days in Hawaii um, and going to Oregon and everything like that. So I'm really looking forward to what he's going to be able to do now that you got rid of Munchak and all that stuff. Uh, I think that I think the hipster pick for the – oh, you know, the, the Bears are going to be this year's Rams, and I truly do believe that. Uh, but I think the Titans are that team that's actually – because everybody's expecting it from the Bears now. I think the Titans are going to be the unexpected one. I actually kind of like your call there. And the reason I say that, Matt LaFleur joined – like Mike Vrabel did what a lot of head coaches don't do. He Like most defensive-minded head coaches, they come in, they have their guys, they want to work their way. They're going to they're gonna bump up the rushing game. They're going to decrease the pass attempts. That's what's normally has happened in the NFL. But going out and getting Matt LaFleur from L.A., who's been working with Sean McVay, is a massive signing for them. It was almost like he admitted, look, I'm not the offensive guy. I'm going to bring in a guy that knows how to do that, and then we're going to do it. I can give my influence that I got from New England or whatever it was, you know, as you mentioned with the Garrett Blunt comparison to Derrick Henry, he can chime in as a head coach. But I feel like the hiring of Matt LaFleur, I feel like he left the Rams as it was a lateral move in his career. But I feel like the reason he did it was because he's going to be given control of that offense. Like it, it, he wasn't getting it in L.A. and McVay wasn't going to give it up. So it's like, OK, I'm going to move on. I'm going to actually show what I can do on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm actually excited about that one, too. But one player that I'm, I'm really excited about that I think people might be overlooking right now is Sterling Shepard. And the reason I say that is because if you go back, it's the same reason I have concern for Adam Thielen. Obviously, this is a coaching change on the Vikings part, too, but it wasn't a head coach. It was you know, an offensive coordinator. Prior to Pat Shermer, Adam Thielen had just two games with more than five targets in two and a half years of playing. Once Shermer took over for Norv Turner when he left the team, I think it was like week eight or something like that during the 2016 season. 18 of his next 25 games netted five or more targets. That's massive. Obviously, he saw 143 targets in 2017, and that's with Stephon Diggs in the team. That's with, you know, Dalvin Cook, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's other talent on the team, but 143 targets for a slot receiver. Sterling Shepard only plays the slot. Like, he was in there for over 90% of his snaps in 2017. He was a slot receiver in 2016. So when you start looking at all this Beckham stuff and the fact that he might be shipped out, I mean, there's a there's a possibility that, that happens. Brandon Marshall is likely to be released at some point here. I, I don't see him being back on this team next year. <laughs> Sterling Shepard is... I forgot that he was still on the team, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's just like Sterling Shepard is someone who's being, I think, undervalued as of right now this offseason. He could be someone that if they do trade Beckham, Sterling Shepard is dying dynasty stock is going to go through the roof. Um, but one player, Adam, that I'm extremely concerned about, and it, it's way funny. To, be, wait, you, way to steal my bold prediction. 
Well, you and I, hold on, hold on. So you and I have a lot of similar ideas. So, I mean, I'll give you my bold prediction at the end of the show, because we're going to do one very, very bold prediction. Well, wait, can I, can I ask you one what do you thing got? though? Yeah. Um, I, well, well, I don't want to move off the point. And you mentioned Adam Thielen and you're, you have concern now because obviously there's a new offensive coordinator with the Vikings. Do you think that Thielen's going to take a massive step back? Because I, I here's why I don't, because to me, obviously, uh, one of the things is that obviously Shermer helped discover Thielen. But to me, it seems like one of the things like when you stumble into a great restaurant and you put it on Yelp, then everybody kind of understands like, oh, yeah, that place is great. And I think that, you know, Minnesota is not going to go back to being like, well, Thielen sucks, like undrafted guy. We don't care. Um, I think, though, I, I think there's some truth that he's going to perhaps take a step back a little bit and he'll be overvalued and be overdrafted. Um, but I don't think he'll completely fall off the map. Is that the, kind of what you're saying? Or am I putting words in your mouth? I I agree that I don't think he's dropping off the map. I, I don't think the Vikings are just going to say, oh, Adam Thielen, you know, you were great under Shermer, but you're no good anymore. That, that's not going to happen. I think he's proven himself to be a capable pass catcher. He can play out of the slot and that's fine. Here's my, the reason that I'm down on him a little bit. And the reason I do think he takes a step back in 2018 is because I think Stefan Diggs is the better talent. Like, I think Diggs is just the better talent. I also think that Diggs fits Kirk Cousins skill set more than Adam Thielen does. Like Case Keenum was more of the check down passer. You know, he'll he'll step up in the blitz and he'll get the ball out of his hands really quick. Um, Kirk Cousins is more like the type of quarterback who spreads the ball around. He gets the ball down the field quite a bit. He throws the ball. You know, his average depth of target has been up there while he's been while he was with Washington. And you go back to his Redskin days and you look at it. This is something I did last year, and the reason I was a little bit down on Terrell Pryor going to the Redskins, because some people were saying his ceiling was so massive. Kirk Cousins, in his time as a starter there, he ha- and it's, it still holds true after last year, no wide receiver playing with Kirk Cousins has ever finished with more than 114 targets. So that kind of tells you that Kirk Cousins spreads it around. Now, is it a product of the offense in Washington? It could be. But but at the same time, certain quarterbacks have have, you know, have this natural thing where they just check into one receiver like Jay Cutler was notorious for that. Like once he found his favorite target, he's locking on. It doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is. He wants to look at that wide receiver. I don't think Kirk Cousins does does that. So I do think that the the targets are going to come down for Adam Thielen, maybe in maybe from 143 down to like the 115, 120 range. And that might be enough to bump him down into that, you know, the high end wide receiver three territory, whereas Stephon Diggs might be able to get some more downfield targets and benefit from that. So that that's kind of where I'm at on Thielen and Stefan Diggs after that. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I kind of, um, yeah, I kind of like that. It, it's similar to me. And I know Mike Thomas ended up being pretty good last year, but a lot of people, uh, they were overvalued. I, I always have this, it's always, it's always an interesting philosophy about like, well, you know, we're not saying that this player is bad, but it's like, he's being overvalued. And I think that Brandon Cooks and Adam Thielen, and even the summer sex, Mike Thomas fall into this because, like you said, like they're in offenses where the quarterbacks just don't target one receiver enough to make them as good as somebody like Antonio Brown, who, for whatever reason, get well, not for whatever reason, because he's extremely good while he gets all the targets. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to talk that out a little. Because I'm with you on that as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And one other player I wanted to mention, and I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing you share this concern because we've been in, in sync throughout this entire podcast. Um, I don't like that John Gruden hire. I don't like where the Raiders are headed. And I don't like what this means for Amari Cooper's development. I feel like <laughs> bringing in Jordy Nelson, I don't know what it accomplishes because he's a worse receiver than Michael Crabtree is at this point in his career. You know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. And I, I mean, 
do Jordy Nelson should be at the point in his career where he turns into a Larry Fitzgerald, where he plays out of, out of the slot a lot more. You've seen his yards per reception come down every single year. He's just that possession receiver. He's got sure hands. He's going to develop the chemistry and all that stuff. But Amari Cooper's a player that should be moved around the field. And John Gruden is this old school coach like a Jeff Fisher who can drag down fantasy value. It's not to say Amari Cooper was great before this. He's been inconsistent throughout his career. There's mm. no denying that. But I think this is going to stunt his development. No, hundred percent. I, I don't know. When he said that, you know, he wanted to take the Raiders back to 1998. He took them all the way back to making, you know, these boneheaded moves where they're bringing in veterans past their prime just for splash. Like, oh, it 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 seems cool. You know, a lot of not to besmirch my sister who's a Raiders fan for some reason, uh, but she's like Jordy Nelson. Like, this is awesome. You're like, you realize this isn't 2014 anymore. Like you want, she's not out there grinding tape, you know, like, oh, wait, you know, like this guy's, you know, missing. So like, ah, so it's one of those things. But I think to most people, when you see uh, moves like that, plus I got rid of Clive Walford. Like, I hope you lose every game, Raiders. I will not, I will not stand for this Clive Walford slander. <laughs> what about Marquette King? They let him go. Oh my God. Without even, you got, so Seabass, I mean, pretty much at the end of his career, it was sort of inevitable. Uh, I would. I would have made him part owner, but whatever. Uh, Marquette King is purely personality driven. And I know all these people be like, what do you mean, man? Like, they just don't want to spend a lot of money on the kicker. I'm like, okay, that's, first of all, that's, that's anti Al Davis. Like, if you consider yourself a Raiders fan and you are so dismissive of kickers and the special teams like that, then you know absolutely nothing about the history of your ball club because Al Davis invested a high draft pick in Ray Guy, obviously in Sebastian Janikowski. Like he values the kicking game and can understand that it it can it can it can change things. So it's a terrible take. You can sit there. When your team makes boneheaded moves, you can sit there and admit it. Like you can sit there and be like, nope, this isn't gonna work. And uh last year when the Bears brought in Mike Lennon, I was actually one of the ones who was like, let's give it time. But I understood like when people are like, nope. This is not a good move. You guys were all correct. I was, <laughs> I was horrendous. I think I was more optimistic and trying to be, I was trying to be supportive because there are a couple of bears who follow me on Twitter. So I always have to be careful of that. Cause like Kyle long follows me. So I always got to make, I'm not one to really bash my team anyways, but I'm like, I always have to be mindful. Um, and I actually made a mistake. I know this is just super like, look at me, famous people follow me type of braggadociousness. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Taylor Lewan, I met him at the draft uh, a couple of years ago and we hit it off and he's, he's a co- really cool dude. So he follows me and I made some remark cause I went to Cal state Fullerton, home of the Titans. And I said, ah, of course, Cal state Fullerton, the true Titans in the world of sports. And he's like, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. You know, collegiate sports is what I meant. Like, of course, um, like that but uh and it's funny because the titans the team actually follows me too and i'm like you know that i'm in you know i'm having an affair on the bears with the jags like you understand and they're like no it's totally cool we're still here i'm like all right um whatever that means uh i'm off the point but um gruden sucks i think i think that's what we were trying to get at. i think that's how we can sum it up succinct that's that's my that's my that's my button on that conversation that's a nice way to wrap up the coaching changes. Honestly, I I I, I don't know if we could have done it any better. Honestly, and, and to, to 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 give him a hundred million dollars to come in and do what he's doing, I I don't get it. I mean, we could be proven wrong. Maybe John Gruden comes in, he he wins a Super Bowl. I, I I don't think it happens. Like everything they're doing makes no sense. The signing of Doug Martin makes no sense with Marshawn Lynch. They're both on one year deals. 
I, 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 honest to God, I feel like the Raiders should consider a running back at some point in this draft. And the fact that they just spent money on Doug Martin, they 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 restructured Marshawn Lynch's deal. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know what they're doing. Those two are not a tandem that works to well with each other, you know, to bring in a pass catcher or something like that. I, I would get that. But these I we don't we could talk about this all day with the Raiders. I don't want to get into it, but um wrapping that up with the coaches is there is there any other is there any player that you're particularly worried about with the coaching staff or do we pretty much hit on a lot of the, those guys oh i think we nailed everything i there wasn't one that stands out yeah i i I've, no i i agree with you but so now i'm gonna let you go first because i i don't like i said i don't want to steal your bold prediction but you're known for your hot takes let's be real about this you're you're known for your signature bold predictions it's what you do on the danger zone you talk about all this stuff. So so I want to know, the bolder, the better. What is your bold prediction for the 2018 fantasy season? Sterling Shep now. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go in a similar vein. <laughs> I'm going to go in a similar vein. I'm going to say that Albert Wilson sneaks not only into the top 15. I'll say top 13. No, you know what? 12. He'll be the wide receiver 12. I have a lot of confidence that Albert uh, – the bird alert, Albert Wilson will be able to break out this season. Uh, it's not necessarily an instance where it's like, well, Jarvis Landry, all of his production is going to go over to Albert Wilson. But, you know, there is a little bit of a correlation. And I believe that Wilson was kind of uh, trapped a little bit in Kansas City with so many great offensive players uh, with a great tight end like Travis Kelsey. And, of course, you have Tyreek Hill. And the, the running backs were always top-notch from them, from, you know, Jamal Charles to Spencer Ware had a nice little run. Kareem Hunt, of course, being there. It did just There's so many, so many people there to be taken care of with the Kansas City Chiefs that nobody's really going to be able to establish themselves as a true breakout candidate. And I'm not saying that this is similar to when, you know, uh, Dave Grohl, you know, finally was given his own band and was able to take the Foo Fighters to height. But it, it's a similar sentiment where now you're going to Miami, where I think that they're going to heavily lean on him. And I believe that Adam Gase brought him in with a purpose of making him uh, the top receiver for the Dolphins. And I, I know that a lot of us are hoping that Kenyon Drake is going to be good, but I believe it's going to be Albert Wilson who is going to benefit um, from the Dolphins' uh, offensive philosophy. I think the Dolphins are probably a little bit better uh, then people are giving them credit for. I know that they lost to Dominican Sue, and people think that it's, oh, that the team's done. Uh, but they have a nice nice pair of cornerbacks. Their defensive secondary is coming along, so I think that it could be a little bit better uh, than people are anticipating. But I think that Albert Wilson uh, becomes a gem, becomes a find, and will be the wide receiver 12. And if he's if he's the wide receiver 11, I'll, I'll come in and say, you know what, I was wrong. I was not giving him enough credit. And if he's the wide receiver 13, I'm going to say, you know what? I missed. I missed because you know what? I'm being that bold that it has to be wide receiver 12. And if he's not, then I will take the loss and everything like that. But I think I have a lot of I have a lot of hope for Albert Wilson this year. I was actually right there with you when that signing took place, but then they lost me with the Danny Amendola signing. Like, what are they going to do with these two? Like, why bring in Amendola when you just signed Albert Wilson? Like, it made no sense to me. I know that they, they're they doing the whole talk up Devontae Parker again, and I think we've all been there, done that. He's in a contract year. Kenny Stills is who he is at this point in his career. So, I, I, I mean, I, I wanted to be there with you. Honestly, before they signed Dan, Danny Amendola, I wanted to believe that, but did they sign Amendola to sit on the bench? Like, I, I want to say yes, because they signed Albert Wilson to a bigger contract, but it just it makes no sense why Amendola would leave the Patriots, who reportedly wanted to re-sign him on a one-year deal, to leave for the, the Dolphins, who are not going anywhere really fast. So 
I do like the call. I really do. I think that's a deep sleeper. And honestly, you can get him for so cheap in some best ball drafts right now. I've done my first few uh, the last couple weeks because I usually try and take time off from, from like playing any best ball stuff until like after the draft. But I wanted to do a couple just to see where the values were at so I could talk about them. So yeah, he's a massive value right now. I do like that call. That was bold. And mine may not be as bold as that, but I, I'm, I'm going to be on record this offseason as saying that Joe Mixon is going to finish as a top five running back. And oh my God! I think people, I think people are forgetting how talented this kid is. Um, you know, obviously there was some off the field stuff that we are not. I'm not happy about. I'm not happy about the person. You know, there's a lot of different things, but I'm not going to go down that road. But the player, the actual player, is one of the the most complete running backs in the NFL. Like he can get it done on third down. When you saw Jeremy Hill go down last year, you saw him walk into a workhorse role. He was like an RB one most of those weeks. Like in terms of like his startability, you wanted to start him as an RB one. The offensive line is getting rebuilt and. Cincinnati. They traded for Cordy Glenn. They're probably going to draft a couple offensive linemen. The area they are in the draft actually should allow them to get one of the top. Uh, maybe they can go Connor Williams, uh, play him at right Ooh. tackle, or McGlinchey and play him at right tackle. There's 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 a lot of reasons why I like this. I I feel like the Bengals are going to have a coaching firing in the middle of the <laughs> year. I feel like that's inevitable at this point. But I do think that Joe Mixon, people have just kind of forgotten how talented he is. And the Bengals moving on from Jeremy Hill, not even trying to re-sign him, kind of shows they're ready to go to Joe Mixon and let him kind of take the reins. I love it. I mean, I don't love it, but I understand where you're coming from. I like the uh, the draft pick you were talking about and everything like that. I think. I'm with you. I actually, I'm not with this. Is actually, this is the one where we will split because I'm not. I will never because I'll just never draft Joe Mixon, so I don't even evaluate him uh, in my draft process yeah. and just kind of like eh, mm-hmm. whatever. Like that's going to be somebody else's pick. But I do, I do feel like the philosophy, what you're saying from a football standpoint, is all correct. Yeah, and that's the thing is I'm. Yeah, <laughs> I've been on record with the whole thing with him and saying that I wouldn't draft him and all that stuff in terms of like my actual NFL franchise. But our goal in fantasy football is to win. And as a player, judging on a strictly st- talent standpoint, he's extremely talented. And I do believe he pops up this year. I think Gio Bernard is just a role player on an offense, somebody that you want to give the you know seven to ten touches per game to. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Man, this is fun, Adam. Oh, man, the pleasure was all on this side of the phone. I had a great time. And it wasn't too Bears-centric, which also, you know, that's also a good thing. It was, and I tried to make sure because I was like, Adam's going to talk about the Bears. My producer's going to get mad at me. I don't want that to happen. So I was trying to to build things around. So we didn't talk about the Bears too much this episode, guys. But uh, So sorry to disappoint, uh, yeah. but make sure you follow Adam on Twitter, at Adam Rank. You could be one of the next celebrities that follow him. You could follow myself <laughs> on Twitter, at Mike Taglier NFL. Of course, I'd like to thank Adam Rank for stopping by to drop some football knowledge i'd also like to leave him with a congrats on the announcement his announcement of baby number two on the way oh thank you very much seriously it's our pleasure having you on it's, it's a joy you're going to be right before the beginning of the football season adam's going to be uh, dad again so that's going to be a blast for him exciting times in the rank household thank you as always for listening we'll be back next week with another two episodes as we ramp up the nfl draft coverage we'll see you next time but until then lights out I just wanted you to watch me dissolve